2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. Jack Manuel, not in today dealing with a fever, but with me, special guest, Corey Waldron. What's up, Corey?
1: like Jared Dudley coming off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> we got
2: Jared Dudley coming off the bench. I guess that's the comparison you want, Corey. You know, you had a lot of options, <laughs> but you you went with Dudley. Uh, the Nets came up victorious again. Four-game winning streak, 123, 94, right over the Kings. Just a really impressive game from the Nets. Before we get started, as always, just a quick reminder to check us out. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTG NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But Corey, initial thoughts on the Nets win.
1: Initial thoughts are The Nets have solidified themselves at this point in time as the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. That's pretty freaking cool.
2: I mean, it's been a really exciting run, obviously, the eight-game losing streak. But since that point, since December 6th, Nets are 17-5, and best record in the NBA, like I said before. Four straight wins, eight and two over the last ten. It's been a really fun ride for Nets fans. And this is something, even being as optimistic as I was going to the season, I did not expect a run like this.
1: Yeah, and I think it was sticks out, too, is like they're 12-12 and 12 on the road. They're, obviously, there's a couple games over 500 at home, um, four in a row. Uh, they came out aggressive today with another big win over a very good Sacramento Kings team. And, you know, again, I got to see your boy Delo go off. What are some of your thoughts on this run by D'Angelo Russell? I know a lot of people are, are asking and talking about the All-Star game, and he's definitely in the conversation now. Delo has been incredible, huh?
2: Yeah, he's been. He's really taking his game to a new level. And on multiple fronts, too. I'll get to the actual on-court play, but I think the off-court play, the leadership aspect of him has really grown. And like you said, he's getting the all-star talk Eastern Conference player of the week. So shout out to him. It feels like forever since that's been a Nets player tonight. 31 points, 12 of 25 from the field, seven of fourteen from three, eight assists, zero turnovers. Other than the zero turnovers, his three point shooting has been super impressive over the last month or so. It's been a game changer for his game. He's not the most athletic guy, but his ability with that step back three, that pull up three has just really changed the whole dynamic of the game for him.
1: Yeah, I mean his confidence is on another level, it feels like. Um, you know, it begs the question of why the Lakers were so quick to get him away. Cause wasn't it what well, didn't Magic Justin say he just didn't see Russell as a
2: leader? Exact words. And today he was actually mic'd up on the Yes Network, and everything he did seemed like leadership. And there was one play in the game that really stuck out to me, and I don't think he makes this play a year or two ago. You know, there was a turnover on the Nets end. D'Angelo hustles down to the other end, gets a block on Yogi Ferrell, and just puts in that extra effort that we haven't really seen. And I think that's like his final steps of taking that next form.
1: For sure. I mean, he clearly outplayed his counterpoint um, from the Kings and De'Aaron Fox. Who really struggled early and never really got things going.
2: Yeah, it really was. And he outplayed him in a going to the year, you know, most improved. It's a lot of talk about De'Aaron Fox. But I think D'Angelo, with a possible all-star appearance, is getting his name in that conversation as well. And a lot of credit goes to D'Angelo, also the Nets coaching staff, and some of the veterans on the team. And it's been mentioned by Nets Daily. Uh, Damari Carroll has really been a guy that's taken D'Angelo under his wing and allowed him to kind of take that next step with a lot of the off-the-court stuff, the extra work he's putting in.
1: Talking about another younger guy, Nick. Um, Kirkus, or what's his name?
2: <laughs> Rodion Karutz. We'll we'll get you. We'll get you with that. You'll you'll be hearing his name a lot. So,
1: um, another solid shooting performance. Seven for ten from the field. Uh, put on sixteen points in twenty three minutes. Obviously, this guy's now in the starting rotation. Um, how good is this guy? Is this a big time rotational player going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, he was a 40th overall pick. It's pretty much a steal for the Nets. One thing really impressive, and you saw in this game, was his driving ability, getting past the bigger players with that scoop layup. He's deceivedly quick. He also does a great job of kind of sneaking to the rim and has developed some nice chemistry with D'Angelo Russell on some of those cuts. I think Rodion's moving forward is going to be a piece of the Nets franchise, either possibly as a starter or one of the first forwards coming off the bench. There's just a lot of potential being only 20 years old.
1: For sure. I mean, he caught my eye. Uh, And also in that first quarter, got to give a shout out to Jack's boy, Joe Harris, Um, driving to the rim, being aggressive. Uh, It's incredible how much of an impact Joe Harris has for the Nets and how just important he is to what their offense does.
2: Yeah, it's not even just when he has the ball. I think his off-ball movement is one of the most impressive things for him. He just brings energy to the offense. And like you said, his development as a driver, there was another great play in this game in the third quarter where he made a nice pass to Jared Allen for an easy uh, dunk. It's just Joe Harris continues to get better, and he's super efficient. 8 of 14 today, 3 of 4 from 3, You know, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 2 steals. I mean, you can't ask for more from one of your role players on this team.
1: Now, there's probably one negative about this game that could take away Um, And I'm not even sure if it's necessarily negative. What were some of your thoughts on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson?
2: Yeah, Rondé, that's probably is the one negative you could take away. Coming back recently from injury, he still hasn't really found his rhythm. He's just not in sync. He's just really struggling out there. He's not sure what his role is on the team, especially when guys like Trevion Graham, who had a really nice game defensively stepped up, It kind of hurts Rondé's future with the Nets. I'm not sure exactly what their thoughts are on him. Maybe it's some of the injury. You know, give him a little time to come back. But right now, it's just not looking so good for Rondé.
1: Now, obviously, there's been kind of a growing uh, conversation about possibly the Nets making a move and being active near the deadline because of where they are in the East and everything else. Do you think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson could be on the move?
2: I think it's a possibility. I'm not sure really what his value is out right now. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, I'm not sure if there's teams out there that really want to bring him in, but he'd be a guy that I would consider moving. You know, his role in this team is definitely in question, especially when they get healthy, when they get Karis LeVert, Jared Dudley, you know, Alan Crabb back, then, you know, they'll be okay. And I don't think they necessarily need Rondé. It's obviously a luxury to have all your players, but I could see him being a name that's mentioned in trade rumors.
1: Interesting. Um, Ed Davis. Pretty impressive numbers coming off the bench of just 24 minutes now.
2: Yeah, one. Of, I mean, Ed Davis going to the season, you know, a lot of people from Portland said he's the best backup center in the NBA. You know, he's definitely in consideration. He's just a rebound monster. He just does all the small things, offensive putbacks, sets good screens, he's a monster on the defensive boards. You know, you can't really not love Ed Davis.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, what a big boy down there. And obviously, uh, he didn't catch a block tonight. But what did you like from Jared Allen tonight in a nice 8.12 rebound night?
2: Jared Allen, you know, even the nights that he doesn't catch a block, his defensive presence is still fell out there. And obviously 12 rebounds. 2019, it seems like he's been a better rebounding player. And that's something we want to continue to see. You know, not huge offensively, but, you know, the Kings do have some really good offense, some athletically gifted centers and Willie Cauley-Stein, Harry Giles, and guys like that out there. So it kind of took him a little bit out of it. But still, you know, Allen had his impact on the defensive uh, around the rim. So. Big, big shout-out to him. Always kind of a good game. The only thing I'd say that was bad four turnovers, a little sloppy with the ball a couple times, his hands weren't necessarily strong.
1: Now, looking at it from the, the Kings' perspective, was there anything from the Kings' side that, you, that caught your eye? Obviously, they kind of had a rough night. Was there anything that you liked seeing from the Kings in the blowout loss to your Nets?
2: Um, you know, I think for the Kings perspective, I've watched him a little bit this year. Bogdanovich is a guy I've always liked. He looked really impressive. You know, just a competitor out there. Has a good feel for the game. You know, 22 points, not a 19 from the field. Like I mentioned, Willie Cauley Stein had some good moments too with his athleticism and size. So overall, I thought, you know, some of the Kings players performed and a lot of guys just didn't perform. And some of that was the Nets. Some of that was them just not coming out strong in the
1: second half. Now, I, I can't remember, but the Nets have like one of the five hardest schedules to finish the year, right? Correct. Now, this stretch, right, they got the, they have the Kings today, they have the Magic, I believe, on Wednesday, yep. and the Knicks on Thursday. How Knicks on Friday Knicks, yep. on Friday, Knicks on Friday, excuse me. How important is this stretch for the Nets? Because obviously, as you said, as we just mentioned, this is going to be a really tough stretch for them. But how important are these kind of games right now?
2: I mean, like you mentioned, starting on the show, I think Sacramento is still a good team. So getting a good win against a team like that should help build confidence. Beating Orlando again after the big comeback on Friday night is going to be tough, but they need to capitalize on the home games and try to just win as many games they can, as many opportunities they have. And I think the team overall is just super confident, and they're going to try to ride that out. I would not be surprised if they end this homestand, you know, on a six-game winning streak.
1: I mean, what's going to be fun is Monday – They play the Celtics. Obviously, it's a long look ahead. But you look at the standings, you know, where do you think the Nets could get? Like, how high is the Nets ceiling? Obviously, they're making a slight climb in the east. They're sitting at six. They're three games behind the Celtics. Well, five in the loss column. Do you think the Nets have a chance to get higher in the standings?
2: Uh, I think right now six is probably their peak unless there were some type of injury to one of the teams above them being Boston or Philadelphia. You know, if they were to drop down and have some major, like, letdown. I don't see that really happening for either of them, so I think six is probably best-case scenario unless there was some type of meltdown between one of those teams.
1: You know it would be awesome. If, <laughs> if the sta- you know I know where I'm going with this, right? If the standing stayed how they were and we get a nice Pacers-Brooklyn, uh, Pacers-Nets matchup in the first round,
2: That would be nice, especially if Karis LeVert is back. And obviously, you know, seven-game series. Obviously, Corey's a Pacers fan for you, as they don't know. I think some Nets fans are even hoping Boston gets up there just so the Nets could play them in a first-round series and maybe get revenge. Obviously, highly unlikely they win a playoff series. But with the confidence they have now, it's hard to say that they won't give somebody a good run for their money.
1: For sure. Uh, You know, anything else on the Kings game that stuck out to you?
2: Uh, You know, I think just the confidence of the team and I think making the adjustments at halftime, a lot of that goes to the players and the coaching staff. You know, Atkinson did a great job putting Trevion Graham on – Buddy Hield and Bogdanovich, and really took them out of flow. And that kind of hurt the Kings offense. And Nets really got into them and disrupted them. And they forced guys who you want to see taking jump shots. And Mon Schumper took a couple jump shots. He was 1-10 of 10 from the field. You had guys like Willie Colley-Stein take a couple jump shots you didn't want to see. Uh, Marvin Bagley, you know, Harry Giles. Just guys that you're okay living with them hitting those shots and taking the ball out of the good players' hands that are used to scoring.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a hell of a performance by the by the Nets. Um Obviously, Kenny Atkinson has done has done a great job. Uh, I know we've talked a lot off air um, on the outlet about how a lot of people were critical of of Kenny. How have what have you seen from Kenny differently this year than than last year? Is there anything different? Do you think he's just the guys are buying into the system more? The guys are developing more. What have you really noticed about Kenny during this winning stretch?
2: You know, I've always been pro-Kenny. I really like the player development just from the guys that made jumps last year from Spencer, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis, Levert, Jared Allen, and you continue to see that this year. I think he's developed as a coach, has a better feel for the games rotation-wise. He's done a better job making adjustments this year, and also I think it's just, you know, having better players.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. The, the talent, as we've mentioned, uh, everybody seems to be hitting their pinnacle at some point.
2: Yeah, it's it's been really good for the franchise overall, but uh, any final thoughts from you, Corey, on the game? Or are you good?
1: Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm just really impressed with how the Nets have kind of pushed themselves into this middle tier in the East. Um, you know, I look at the teams that, they're, that are behind them now, Miami, Charlotte, Detroit, Washington, Orlando. None of those teams to me are even close to Brooklyn on a level of complete roster talent between depth and everything else. I think the Nets, especially when Karis LeVert gets back, they're clearly better than all the teams underneath them right now. Uh, They're definitely a piece away, I think, from getting to the tier with, like, the Sixers, Pacers, and Celtics, and Raptors, and Bucks, obviously. Um, But the Nets almost are in the league of their own in the East.
2: Yeah, they're in that middle tire right now. Like you said, they're probably one piece away, and they're doing a great job of kind of working themselves, turn possibly adding a big piece in the offseason.
1: Love it. I have to to give some – I haven't heard your thought on this. Obviously, Kevin Durant's name. Uh, was mentioned I saw a few times last, within the last week about the Nets becoming a possible prime destination for Kevin Durant. What are some of your thoughts as these rumors spiked up and the Nets continue to play well?
2: Uh, I mean, if he really wants to come to New York, there's one team that's in a really good position to make a deep run in the playoffs with one addition to their team, and that's the Nets. If he, the Knicks, I don't think, are there yet. Obviously, they could possibly have the high draft pick and bring in uh, Zion and... Um, have KP back, but I just really don't see them, you know, being able to swing for Durant. So that's why I feel like the Nets would be in a better position. You know, obviously you get one of the top five best players in the world. You're not going to complain about it. So, I mean, I would be happy to get them.
1: 100%. No, I I feel you. It'd be interesting to see what happens this offseason.
2: Yeah, 100% too in, in terms of the deal he signed and obviously the whole different pieces out there. And there's a possibility of them even adding more cap space with a couple moves, but that's for another day. For sure. All right, guys, that wraps it up. As always, big shout-out to Corey for filling in for Jack. Hopefully Jack is feeling 100% in a day or two. And a big thanks, to everybody, for listening. Check us out, iTunes, Block Radio, otgbasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.